welcome to PFF Wire. I'm Doug Kide. Joined as always by Brad Spielberger. Brad, how are you doing today? Today, you know, definitely doing better than uh, Devontae Adams and uh, the photographer uh, from uh, Monday night. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. There's a lot going on. Uh, before we get started here, make sure to subscribe to the PFF Wire podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, if you don't want to keep watching us here on YouTube. But uh, honestly, yeah, let's start off with the Devontae Adams situation because the Raiders have got a bye week this week, so there's not a, a big rush to get any discipline out there, but and based on some reports from a lot of national folks from NFL media and stuff, looks like a, a suspension could be coming. And quite honestly, I know that I don't know the reaction to the whole Devontae Adams situation has been probably a little bit bizarre on both sides. Like I'm not sure if it's necessary to go to the hospital over that. If you're the, the photographer, if it's not serious injuries, not sure if it's worth pressing charges at the same time. I mean, the video was pretty damning. The guy walked in front of Devon, Devontae Adams, he shoved him down with two hands, kind of stared over him for a second and kept walking. You can't have that as a player pushing around media members. So I don't know. I think that some sort of hefty fine or, or suspension probably should happen here. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I do think it, you know, he's not really that type of guy. And it was obviously yeah. out of frustration and all those things. But you kind of can't just let a guy get away with doing that with no repercussions. Um, because I'm not going to say it's slippery slope, but you obviously don't want to establish a precedent where you can kind of get away with that no matter who you are. But yeah, I am mostly joking because I, I think it's just kind of crazy. We're that litigious of a country where this is now, you know, being taken into a court battle. Uh, I think you should be able to settle that with a handshake and a signed football, but maybe that's just me. Yeah, I, I agree with you. At, at the same time, there's a lot of Raiders fans out there. They're like, well, what, what are you expecting him to do? He walked in front of him. It's like, I mean, yeah, he walked in front of him. Like he didn't, he didn't like attack Devontae Adams. I don't think they even made contact with, with Devontae Adams from what we saw. But yeah, I agree. It was out of character for Devontae Adams. He's not, you know, that type of person, not that type of player. He was caught in a bad moment. And, you know, if you don't, punish him it probably sets some bad precedent here so curious to see exactly what the nfl does uh, let's get into some quarterback injuries around the nfl uh we'll start off with some ones that we've got a little bit more clarity on like mcdaniel came out today said that he expects skylar thompson to be starting at quarterback for the dolphins this weekend to Tago Vailoa still in concussion protocol teddy bridgewater still in concussion protocol so we're going to see the the seventh round rookie this weekend. And I mean, obviously things can still fix themselves here in Miami, but we were talking about the Miami Dolphins weeks ago, 3-0. They're starting to spiral a little bit right now. And like I said, I mean, once two is back, once everything's back to normal, they should still be a, a hot team. But if you believe in momentum at all in the NFL, that's been, you know, hilted a little bit here by some of these quarterback injuries. About it. I think actually, actually the most interesting comment so far this week is head coach Mike McDaniel saying to reporters, if Teddy Bridgewater does clear protocol, he would still be the backup. I, I think right. they're fairly encouraged by what they saw from the seventh round rookie in Skylar Thompson. I watched that game. I actually do think 
not even being the name starter coming into the game. He did make some nice throws against yep. the Jets defense that really is not a laughing stock anymore up front or on the back end. It's a pretty talented defense. Um, and he made some plays. And I, we've talked about this before, but there's a massive difference between when the game plan is made for you or when you come in in the middle of the game and kind of have to figure things out on the fly. So I think it may, probably makes sense to let him get a full workload throughout the week of practice. He should have Tyree Kill in this game. I'm not 100%, but he will uh, right. expected to play. Um, and yeah, I think they should be encouraged by what they saw. And maybe this is Miami thinking, which probably some more teams should probably start to do is why not play a young rookie? All respect to Teddy Bridgewater, but we know who Teddy Bridgewater is. He's a backup quarterback in this league. Um, you know, why not give a guy like this some run and see what you have there? I think that they're also, they kind of have to be overly cautious on both these situations with Teddy Bridgewater um, and with Tua Tango Violoa that, you know, the, the optics were so bad when Tua came back to play in that Thursday night game that now, like I said, I think they just have to be overly cautious in this. Teddy Bridgewater had the concussion situation. And I mean, it is interesting though, that didn't they wasn't there reports during the game that Bridgewater didn't actually have a concussion, but they saw that he was kind of stumbling a little bit. So that's why he entered the concussion protocol. It's interesting now that, he's still not, you know, fully a hundred percent. And that it is a Skylar Thompson expected to play this Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. But yeah, I mean, it will be interesting to see what, uh, you know, Skylar Thompson can look like against a pretty good Minnesota Vikings team this weekend. And I agree with you. I thought he showed some moments out there at the same time. The Dolphins did get kind of blown out of the water a little bit by a New York jets team, but that defense is definitely pretty solid for the jets. Another one that we've got some clarity on is that I believe it was Mike McCarthy said that he expects Cooper rush to continue starting for the Dallas Cowboys this week. I don't think this comes as a major surprise, but that's a massive game on Sunday night between the Dallas Cowboys and the five and Oh, Philadelphia Eagles, another one of these interdivision matchups that could have some tiebreaker, uh, you know, value down the road for both these teams. 100%. And I think both teams coming into the year, I think folks probably thought would be in the playoff picture. But I think you make an argument. Of course, we need to see Dak Prescott back. But I mean, these teams could be battling for the number one seed in the NFC. I mean, no one has been particularly impressed with the Rams. They've scored fewer offensive points than my Chicago Bears. Uh, so that's that floating around. I can't even believe that one. But, yeah. you know, they have not been good. Tampa Bay has not really been that good. The Green Bay Packers, of course, have not been particularly good. So not only NFC East implications, but all of the NFC implications here. I think it is smart to let Dak get 100% healthy. Yeah. Well, I get the game is massive against Philly, but also at the same time, great way to hurt a guy's confidence if he's not 100% gripping the football and he's playing one of the best defenses in the NFL. Yeah, and I mean, I know that obviously everyone's going to keep talking about the potential quarterback controversy here, but I will say that the longer that it takes Dak Prescott to heal, the longer you get to see what Cooper Rush looks like as a starting quarterback. And last week, obviously, the Dallas Cowboys one, but I wouldn't necessarily say that the Dallas Cowboys are w winning because of Cooper Rush. He's certainly not, you know, taking anything necessarily away from what the Cowboys are doing, but he was 10 of 16 for 102 yards. It's not like he's out there lighting up the defenses with 400. He's not Geno Smith out there. I'll say that he he's winning games, uh, but he's definitely being more of a game manager. And I think that as we see more and more of Cooper Rush, I think he's going to be a decent backup quarterback in the NFL. Maybe gets a, another starting opportunity at some point. But I think that we're seeing more and more that clearly Dak Prescott is the answer there for the Cowboys at quarterback. Um, I think Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots like accidentally stirred up a quarterback controversy today because I mean obviously Bailey Zappi 
played well against the Detroit Lions last week, came in in relief of Brian Hoyer uh, a couple of weeks ago, played well against the Green Bay Packers. But Belichick was asked today, you know, is Mac Jones going to start when he's ready? And I think that Belichick just tries so hard to give these non-answers that when he said, we'll see how he looks this week, I don't know, that kind of opened up the idea of, wait a second, Mac Jones is not going to start when he comes back. I don't think that's the case. I think that this was probably just a mistake by Bill Belichick, kind of giving his typical non-answers. But it's been kind of interesting to see the, you know, the reaction to that. And I mean, technically, if you take Bill Belichick on his word, there is a quarterback controversy in New England, even though that's not true at all. I don't know. It was a weird situation. It almost kind of shows why he gives not answers and just hates the media so much because <laughs> right. we can truly spin a narrative out yeah. of anything he says. There was a later question where he said, what are they, uh, what do they do similarly? And he said, they both throw right-handed. So right. he went back to his usual Bill Belichick self, but I would also say not that I, you know, look, I think Mac Jones will be the starter when he's healthy, but if any team believed in a meritocracy, didn't care about draft status and all of these things, it's probably Bill Belichick, the New England Patriots. So I also could see him saying, look, I'm not going to just declare this guy the outright starter and say, no, no, Mac, whatever Mac does, he's our guy, yada, yada. Even if that's the case behind the scenes, I think he likes kind of a little bit of this controversy, lighting a fire under guys and keeping them motivated. I think that, I mean, I was talking to someone about this situation this week, and they said that, you know, the more that Billy Zappi plays decently well, the more that he wins – the more pressure that actually puts on Mac Jones. And it's going to be an interesting situation just for the Patriots to see internally how Mac Jones responds to that pressure. Because I do not believe for a second that there's an actual quarterback controversy in New England. But, you know, if Bill Belichick kind of stirs the fire a little bit there by saying like, oh, I don't know who's going to start. And if Bailey Zappi continues to play well, maybe that does motivate Mac Jones to play just that tiny bit better uh, than he would have. I mean, I'd say that we probably saw that in New England even after Jimmy Garoppolo was drafted with Tom Brady. Tom Brady raised his level of play after Jimmy Garoppolo was drafted. So maybe the same thing kind of happens with with Bailey Zappi, but basically everything that I've heard from around the league is that people do expect Bailey Zappi to be kind of that that career backup type in the NFL. I've heard Brian Hoyer comparisons. I've heard Matt Flynn comparisons. So certainly don't expect him to be, uh, you know, a a tenured starter in the NFL or anything, but I thought he played pretty well when he was out there. And and I think it's still just an underrated edge in football. I mean, look, Mac Jones, I want to say had Bryce young behind him at some point in college, like there, we underestimate what comfort can do to someone. And even guys like Brady, who's 45 years old, still probably talks about, you know, don't let comfort, you know, enter your, your, your mindset. There's a great uh, quote from Mike Tomlin talking about that, you know, be, be comfortable being uncomfortable and all these things. And I think even if a lot of it is kind of drummed up and, and, and not real, like we always, that's why these guys are these guys, they find motivation in bulletin board material wherever they can find it. So you might as well help them with that a little bit. Another piece of news out of New England, Damian Harris, still dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, I believe he was limited in practice today, which is a better sign than him being out. But I think it was uh, Tom Pelissero of NFL Media. Hopefully I'm, I'm getting that correct. Said that he's not expected to play this week. So that would be the Ramondre Stevenson show. Ramondre Stevenson was great uh, being that bell cow back against the Detroit Lions. Bill Belichick was really heaping praise on him. But, you know, if they do need help behind Ramondre Stevenson, it would probably be Pierre Strong, the rookie out of, I think it's South Dakota State. Uh, If not him, then they've got Kevin Harris out of South Carolina, J.J. Taylor. But, I mean, Ramondre Stevenson is a pretty obvious play in fantasy if Damian Harris really does miss time with that hamstring injury. 
Absolutely. I know it's a little scary to own a Patriots running back, but right now his 89.0 rushing grade is uh, third in the NFL for us. His 4.2 yards after contact per attempt, also third. He has 11 explosive rushes, which is tied for sixth, and that's, again, not on a ton of volume. And then, uh, you know, 0.25 missed tackles forced per rushing attempt is 17th. So a top 20 running back in, like, every metric we track. He's a really good three-down player. He can catch the ball. I do think once Ty Montgomery comes back, he probably eats into those third down, you know, the, the play and obvious passing situations, but I agree with you. He, he's a starting guy right now in fantasy. Yeah, and I mean, I, even if you look over the last two years, I think that he's our third highest graded running back. Uh, ironically, or weirdly enough, I think Damian Harris is actually fourth, so that's a really good running back stable that they have there in New England. But I... I I would agree with you based off the early, you know, based off what we saw in preseason, based off what we saw week one, where Tom Montgomery was getting those third down snaps. I think that Ramondre Stevenson over these next few weeks, when he can be that bell cow back and as, as long as Tom Montgomery stays out, has a chance to prove more and more that even when Tom Montgomery comes back and even when Damian Harris comes back, that he could be maybe not a three down running back, but kind of like a two and a half down running back. Like he could split the early down carries with Damian Harris and then also be that guy who comes on the field on third downs because he is a really good blocking back. He's got some soft hands out of the backfield and he's a unique player and that he's basically like almost Derrick Henry sized. He's like a six, one, 240 pound running back, but he's a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. So really unique player. And as I mentioned, I mean, Bill Belichick said that, you know, the team loves him. They've got the most confidence that they could possibly have in him. Uh, so lots of good things there for Ramondre Stevenson moving forward here. Um, uh, what else do we have here? Okay, Deion Jones designated to return off of injured reserve. Amazing how those injuries clear up after he was traded from the Falcons to the Browns. I do want to, yeah, I wanted to highlight this just because I think we get asked a lot, you know, can you trade players on IR? And the answer is yes, as you saw with this trade here. We probably talked about this a little bit, but Deion Jones did have a down 2021 season. I don't think anyone is debating that, but a really, really, really good player before that. Uh, one of the best coverage linebackers in the entire NFL for from 2016 to 2020 was a top five graded guy for us as an off-ball linebacker overall and as a coverage linebacker. So much needed addition to that Cleveland defense. They have been getting gashed up the middle all season long, oh, well, particularly once they lost Anthony Walker. Um, so, you know, th this is an underrated, I think, move for them. And, and I think they could continue to add some more talent on that interior of the defense. Uh, Brown's playing the New England Patriots this week, so we'll see how quickly Dion Jones can get acclimated. A couple other defensive players returning from injuries, uh, Tyus Bowser and David Ojabo. We'll see if they can actually come back, you know, this week. But Baltimore Ravens could have some really good edge depth once they actually do get Bowser and Ojabo back in the fold. Yeah, Jason Pierre-Paul looked pretty good against the Bengals yeah. on, uh, was it Sunday night or Monday night? I think it was Sunday night. Um, you know, got some pressures on Joe Burrow. And, you know, he's more of a situational guy now. You don't want to play him, you know, 700, 800 snaps a season. But you drop that down to 400, 500 and let him come in in obvious passing situations, like you mentioned, because they have Tyus Bowser, because, you know, Michigan second rounder David Ajabo getting back in the fold. That's a perfect role. And then Justin Houston also getting healthy there. So a good mix of veterans and young guys. I think it could be a great group once everyone is back to full speed. We will be talking about the Commanders-Bears game here coming up, but uh, I wrote a piece for PFF today, my weekly rumor roundup, and I do think there's some interesting things to tackle in there, uh, especially after the Carolina Panthers fired uh, Matt Rule. We talked about that at length on Monday, but kind of relates to the whole Sean Payton situation right now where starting some people around the NFL about 
Sean Payton, how much it would take for a team to acquire Sean Payton from from the New Orleans Saints, um, some potential teams that he could wind up going to if there would be you know a fit there for him with the Carolina Panthers. And basically everyone I was talking to said that it would just cost the Panthers too much to get Sean Payton uh, there to Carolina. And he might not be interested in the situation anyway, even if the Panthers did pay up for it, because say the Panthers give up you know, two first-round picks for Sean Payton, even one first-round pick for Sean Payton. That reduces their ability to acquire a quarterback, which they desperately need. So they're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul and getting a guy like Sean Payton in there. So don't necessarily see a fit there. But, uh, I mean, some of the some of the uh, terms of, you know, a trade that were kind of thrown out there to me, one person said, you know, a first-round pick and a mid-round pick. Another person said that the conversation might have to start at two first-round picks because that's what the Raiders got for John Gruden back in the day. Uh, Patriots got, I think, a, or the Jets got a first-round pick for Bill Belichick way back in 2000. But, you know, for you, a head coaching trade, do you think Sean Payton is worth a first-round pick or even multiple first-round picks? Of those examples, Mike Holmgren, I believe, when he went from Green Bay to the Chiefs, I also think was multiple first-round picks. If not, it was a first and more on top of that, or maybe like a couple seconds. It was a pricey trade. And I honestly think for an established coach that you know is a legitimate difference maker, which I certainly think Sean Payton falls into that category, I do. The, the, the key, though, is you talk about John Gruden, the most recent example. He was walking onto a playoff-caliber roster, a really, really right. good team. I mean, he won the Super Bowl the first year. He was there for a reason because Tony Dungy had built a phenomenal team, and he stepped in and was a motivator and was, you know, the X's and O's guys on offense and, and brought, you know, pushed them over the edge. So I think, yeah, Carolina, it would be a disaster. Well, you're going to give a team in your division, maybe what, right. two top 10 picks. Um, and, and they're going to, you know, use those to just get better at beating you twice a year. So I think all those examples we just gave were, I guess, besides Jets and Patriots, but, you know, cross conference from the NFC to the AFC or vice versa. But I do, I actually think, um, it, it goes back to kind of paying front office guys and paying assistant coaches and all that. If you know there is a true difference-making NFL head coach, it's probably worth more than a lot of people are currently paying for, for those guys. Yeah, uh, I, I think, I mean, for the Saints, they have to hope that some team is willing or like really wants to hire Sean Payton this offseason because uh, they gave up their first-round pick for next year's uh, draft by you know moving around the draft board this year, getting Trevor Penning, getting Chris Olave. So they're certainly in need of draft capital right now. And clearly they know that Sean Payton's moved on from them. But you know, one team that we talked about ad nauseum for Sean Payton before the season was D the Dallas Cowboys. I think that, as we've mentioned before, probably here, that that's kind of out of the question currently, the way that the Dallas Cowboys are currently playing with Cooper Rush. Uh, we'll see if they're able to finish as strong as they were able to start this year. And you know, Mike McCarthy for now certainly looks safe there. But you know, just from talking to people around the league, one person thought that Denver Broncos could potentially make sense for Sean Payton. Obviously, it would require the Broncos to move on after just one season with the Nathaniel Hackett. But if they actually do believe that they could acquire a guy like Sean Payton, it, it, it would almost make sense to force the hand and say like, hey, sorry, we really like you, Nathaniel, but we can get Sean Payton. The issue there, or like I guess – the 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 positive there is that they have the quarterback in Russell Wilson. They've got the talent on the team. I think that they could be contenders right away. 
The issue is that they just gave up two first round picks for Russell Wilson. So I think they would probably have to be what a 2024 first round pick plus more for Sean Payton. Um, but some other some other teams that were thrown out there to me, one person mentioned the Raiders. Once again, that would require them to move on from Josh McDaniels. I don't personally see that just because of the Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels connection. But the other one that was tossed out there was the Los Angeles Chargers. And I don't know. I mean, things would obviously have to finish poorly for Brandon Staley this year, but it's kind of similar to Nathaniel Hackett where like, it's not a typical situation where you fire your head coach and then go out and search for someone else. If they believe that Sean Payne's interested in them, then yeah, it might force their hand there. A hundred percent. And I think the comment back in the day was that he wanted, you know, somewhere warm with a good quarterback. It doesn't get much better than LA with, with Justin Herbert. Right. And I think, you know, again, you don't want to ever give up first round picks, but when you have the rookie contract quarterback, although that might change in the near future, but you know, you have a lot of good pieces in place. You could probably make that move. And that, that's an example where I think he makes them an instant Super Bowl contender from day one and can also, you know, bring some guys aboard, you know, recruit some guys, but Denver's interesting too, because Russell Wilson, of course, always talked about how Drew Brees, was the guy he wanted to you know model his game after and looked up to and all those things so i would imagine him and him and sean payton have a relationship to a degree already but yeah all those afc teams i think you keep an eye on those teams um any availability that comes open his name should at least be in the ring definitely and you know with the broncos in particular there is the connection there where you know russell wilson drew Brees, pretty similar style everything like that one thing, and not, this is not to pile on Russell Wilson more than anyone already has. One thing that a league source mentioned was that, you know, I don't know how much coaches do necessarily want to work with, with Russell Wilson. So there would definitely have to be something mutual there where Sean Payton also would want to work with Russell Wilson at this point. But I do feel like that would be a, a pretty good, um, I don't know, there, there'll be a, there, there would be some chemistry there between them. I think they would, you know, linking those two up would certainly make some sense. Uh, also in this week's rumor roundup, I talked a little bit more about Panthers trade candidates. I know we talked about this on Monday, but one league source thought that Panthers could wind up getting a first round pick if they did want to trade away Brian Burns. And, and it just, it seems to make all the sense in the world to me because the Panthers desperately need a quarterback. They need more draft capital. And I know that you'd ideally want to keep your young defensive core there with Brian Burns and Derek Brown and everything like that. But one person mentioned to me that, you know, if they traded away Brian Burns, then maybe you draft Will Anderson with your first of two first round picks. And then you take your quarterback with the next one and you're kind of getting a cheaper version of Brian Burns as part of that trade. So that in itself kind of makes sense a little bit. No, 100%. When you know you're going to be picking that high and then you add another pick into the equation, it does make sense. As much as you don't want to give away young talent, I would say it kind of looks like Orlando Brown and Marquise Brown in Baltimore where, yes, they hit on those picks. Uh, you could argue, maybe debate that. I think they probably hit on both of those picks, especially you know third rounder in Orlando Brown. But right before their second contract comes due, you go out and get new first round picks right. and use that on Adafi Owe, who's now the edge rusher, who's playing well. And then this year, you know Tyler Linderbaum, they're their center for, for Marquise Brown. So that's a, you know, an example right there, obviously team in a different situation, but you know, Burns is going to ask for pretty big money, 25 plus million dollars per year. He deserves it. He's, he's played well. Does it become even more challenging without draft capital, without money to pay him and then keep trying to build around him or do you, you know, lose a good player, but save some money, add some draft capital and start fresh. I, I think it's certainly something that they have to explore. Uh, Panthers obviously will need a new head coach after the season. Steve Wilkes has 
12 games now to prove that he deserves the spot. He's a Charlotte native. Uh, he, you know, used to coach with the Panthers before he got his opportunity as a head coach with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, but a couple other names I heard as far as potential candidates for that Panthers job. You know, obviously a lot of things have to go right for these coaches throughout the rest of the season, but I thought that Ken Dorsey was kind of an interesting one, if only because Ken Dorsey was actually fired as the Panthers quarterbacks coach back in 2017, but it was under different leadership. So he would kind of have to accept the idea of coming back to Carolina, but it's a new owner, a new GM. Uh, and clearly Ken Dorsey has done a very good job with the Bills, with Josh uh, Josh Allen over the years, and there hasn't been a, a major drop-off this year between Brian Dable leaving and Ken Dorsey coming in as offensive coordinator. I would also, uh, if, if history serves me, Brandon Bean was probably in Carolina, so he might show now by bringing him to Buffalo, say, hey, I didn't actually agree with the decision to fire Ken Dorsey when it was made in Carolina, so I'm right. showing you I, I disagree with it because he's now my offensive coordinator, and like you said, that offense is still playing very well. I know he's very highly regarded, obviously, the former Miami quarterback and and now a coach that has worked his way all the way up to offensive coordinator. Unfortunately, famous right now for that you know kind of temper tantrum in the booth after they <laughs> lost that game to Miami, but I think he's done a lot of very very good things the one name that i've heard most consistently is dan quinn yeah um, you know we talked about the dallas defense and how well they're playing but i also think that tepper you know it's probably not the smartest way to always be reactionary but i think he tried the sexy college name right. program builder now you go with the established veteran been to a super bowl head coach before you know type hire yeah and i i think that that's probably the thing that makes most sense the the important thing there is that the head coach needs to feel confident that he's going to have more time than Matt rule did to turn that program around because I mean, it is in kind of rough shape after what the Panthers have done over the last few years of constantly trying to find these new quarterbacks. So I think that regardless Scott Fitterer and David Tepper have to tell that head coach that, Hey, you're going to have five years to turn this around. We're not going to be reactionary. We're going to be patient with you. We'll give you all the time in the world. We believe in you. So in that way, I think that, you know, bringing in someone like Dan Quinn, who did have success with the Atlanta Falcons, uh, who was a successful head coach, just by the end there, it wasn't really working out for him. Giving him a second chance probably does make more sense than hiring the the sexy new candidate, which would be more like a guy like maybe D'Amico Ryans with the 49ers, Gerard Mayo with the Patriots, Ken Dorsey from the Bills. So, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you is that, uh, it, it does probably make more sense to get in a guy like Dan Quinn. Uh, one other thing from this week's rumor roundup before we get uh, into the Thursday night game. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by this Geno Smith situation. One person said that he could see Geno Smith signing a, a similar deal to what Teddy Bridgewater did back in 2020, three years, 60 million-ish. But that person did say that the Seahawks should wait as long as possible to make any decisions on this. I know that we talked about this a little bit on Monday, but I thought that was a good point that there's really no rush to get anything done here. And yeah, Geno Smith looks great right now, but you want to, you don't want to hand him $60 million and have him looking like the Geno Smith of old by the time week 18 rolls around. Yeah, it's also, I know it probably sounds kind of silly thinking now, but look, the franchise tag is at their disposal. They have no other player that they would need to use it on. So if that's where it gets and they, he continues to play this level and they, you know, they they don't find a way to negotiate a multi, multi-year extension and they can't, you know, come to common ground in free agency, that's, that's always at their disposal. Uh, all right, let's get into this Thursday night matchup between the Chicago Bears and the Washington Commanders. Ron Rivera kind of opened up some controversy this week when I think it was on Monday, 
Uh, he was asked why the commanders have not had the same success as other teams in the NFC East. And he said, quarterback. And I mean, that looked like he was kind of throwing Carson Wentz under the bus. Uh, but he walked back those comments and said that the other quarterbacks in the division had more time to get acclimated to the systems. But I mean, Daniel Jones is in a new offense with Brian Dable. Um You've got Cooper Rush starting for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I don't know. I, I thought that that was a interesting walk back. And I think that, you know, it's probably fair to say that Carson Wentz is one of the reasons why the commanders have started one and four uh, at the same time. Justin Fields coming up on this Thursday night matchup has also not been uh, great this season. So what's uh, what's your read on this matchup here? Yeah, so to the Carson Wentz thing, yeah. I mean, you can't say that with Daniel Jones and Cooper Rush in your division, both four and one. Um, yeah. You know, and also, look, Carson Wentz has been what we know Carson Wentz is. He's second right now in big time throws, but he's fifth in turnover worthy plays. And so that's kind of what you're going to get out of him. And if you can't cater an offense around that and, and are going to blame kind of the negatives that you should expect from him, then maybe you shouldn't have made that trade in the first place. Um, and then also, he's taken 20 sacks, which is top five among quarterbacks, and actually is not blaming for a lot of them we you know we chart you know which linemen give up the pressure or what was it the quarterback's fault he actually has only been deemed partially responsible on 8.7 percent of his pressures which is actually 23rd among quarterbacks right now so yeah. it's not entirely on him i think their defense you can't spend four straight first round picks go out and spend all this money on these corners and everything and have a bad defense and that's exactly what they have right now so then my rant yeah. is over there but um you know my, my look on this game is boy is it going to be ugly um you know yeah. I, I mean just two bad football teams uh, the one thing I think is interesting is we have no Jahan Dotson and no Logan Thomas, the tight end there in Washington. That is confirmed yeah. now. I think Curtis Samuel against rookie for the Chicago Bears. Uh, why am I blanking on his name right now? Uh, Jones? Uh, no, Brisk. Uh, oh, Brisk. Uh, uh, Keller Gordon. Yeah. Keller Gordon, uh, the second-round corner out of Washington. Um, he has been a liability in the slot. He, he is uh, bottom five right now for us in yards per coverage snap allowed. That is where Curtis Samuel makes his money lining up in the slot. His prop right now is four and a half receptions. I like that prop a lot. Also because of the injuries, I think that Carson Wentz is going to be looking to target Kyler Gordon a lot in that game tomorrow. We've got a question here from Bruce Wilson. Would you start Curtis Samuel or T Higgins this week? What's your thoughts on this one? I would probably still go T Higgins you know, <laughs> after answering that question. I know he was a really, really difficult. I personally had him in a lineup and then he didn't really play the entire game against Baltimore. So of course, monitor his health. That's a huge part of it, but all indications are he's going to play in this game. It is against a very tough New Orleans Saints defense, but Marshawn Lattimore did not practice today. Um, so I think that is notable. And, and Paulson Adebo, their other corner, has been also very susceptible this season. Bit of a sophomore slump for him after a good rookie year. So yeah. I would probably still fire up T. Higgins unless he's not 100% healthy. Um, but, hey, I think it's probably it's, it's, it's a good problem to have. I like both of them this week. Yeah, Paulson and Debo got burned pretty badly by the Seattle Seahawks and the aforementioned Geno Smith in that game. Uh, Justin Fields in this game, this is going to be another primetime game for him. They have, it seems like, quite a few primetime games this season because they've got another one. I think it's either like a Thursday night or Sunday night game coming up against uh, maybe a Monday night game against New England Patriots. But have you personally seen improvement out of Justin Fields this season it seems like he's coming off probably his best two performances of the year 
second half against Minnesota was the best half of football he has played this season by, I, in my opinion, a, a lot. Um, yeah. You know, I think they made some good adjustments. They came out against a, a defense that is really not that good. Um, and he delivered some nice balls. Darnell Mooney had the highlight one-handed catch. Um, that obviously was his best throw. We charted that as a big-time throw for him. But you know, I also just think it was a lot less dancing in the pocket, a lot less of the, you know, he still leads the league right now in average time to throw and just needs to come down. It frankly is just simply too high. But I think he was seeing things a little bit better. I think his receivers kind of, you know, came up short for him a couple times in that game. Dante Pettis had a drop. Um, you know, and Keel Harry might play in this game. We might see yep. more of Velas Jones as he gets healthier and healthier. Had the touchdown in the game, but only played, I want to say, 15 snaps, maybe even less than that. Um, so, yes, he is progressing. I thought it was his best half of football, um, but, you know, need to keep seeing more. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, Nikhil Harry does not have an injury designation, but he is coming off that ankle injury on a short week of practice. So I think that ultimately that just depends on whether or not they want him. If they think that he's ready, he could wind up still being a, a healthy scratch in this game, uh, but does not have an injury designation, so he can play. Uh, looking at some of this, uh, looking at – uh, PFF green line right now. Well, we see an edge on the over. The point total is 38 points. I think that that's kind of interesting. I also think it's interesting that uh, there's a prop here. Justin Fields under half a touchdown pass that is plus 160. And we see an 11 and a half percent edge on that one. I, as as much as I agree with you, I do think that Justin Fields has improved this season. Uh, he's got his best two grades of the year over the last two weeks. I don't hate that under half a, pa a passing touchdown for Justin Fields this week. Games and in particular, you know, last week was in a dome. We're back now in Chicago. I haven't checked the weather yet. I don't know. If, I, I think I would know if it's supposed to be very bad, but it's never great in October in Chicago. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's been a valuable bet. I'll shout out Arjun Menon, who has been hitting the under a half a touchdown pass and making sure to remind me of that every week on Justin Field. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't dislike that bet at all. And then for the over, right now there is a crazy trend of primetime unders. They are hitting at a miraculous rate. And eventually what happens is they kind of get set so low and bet down so low that you may – Maybe you can get some value going the other direction. So, look, I'm not saying Carson Wentz and Justin Fields is a, is a great quarterback matchup. 38 points is a very, very low. I mean, like the Iowa Hawkeyes are catching 38-point totals. So, <laughs> I, I think there, there might be some value on this over. The defenses could score. There could be some fluky things. Um, William Jackson is not playing for Washington. Um, Jalen Johnson is returning for Chicago, which is obviously massive for them. But, yes. yeah, I don't hate the over in that game. It's, it's a low total. Yeah, and it kind of depends on, on which commander's team that we see. Uh, they were able to score 28 points and 27 points early in the season against the Jaguars and Lions, but then 8, 10, and 17 over the last three weeks. They do have an easier matchup this week against the Chicago Bears. But, um, yeah, I mean, we were talking about coaching changes earlier. At a certain point, Ron Rivera's name is probably going to start coming up more and more as uh, the commander's Struggle more and more this season. Commanders won week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars and have strung together four straight losses. We'll see how they are able to do on Thursday night against Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. Brad, anything else you want to hit on this week? Or yeah, well, you mentioned Ron Rivera. I think it should be if if the, the Washington is one in five. Carson Wentz, look, he has the clause in his trade where if he plays over seventy percent of snaps, these th one of the third round picks would turn into a second round pick. You know, is it early? Yes, but why would you risk that? It could be a top, you yeah. know, top fifty pick you're giving, um, you know, back to Indianapolis. So there, I see a comment there. Could Sam Howell start if he loses again? I mean, why not? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean. It, it's maybe not this early. Maybe they turn to 
Taylor Heineke first, see what he can do. Then, you know, because I would imagine right now that Sam Howell probably is not getting a lot of reps in practice. Um, you know, probably splitting scout team reps with Taylor Heineke right now, which is not giving him a lot of throwing opportunities, kind of similar to what we saw uh, with Bailey Zappi. But I think that absolutely, if you are midway through the season, clearly out of playoff contention and a difficult division, you have to see what you have in Sam Howell. Otherwise, there was no reason uh, to draft him in the first place. So I was kind of saying before the season, I think that everyone was that, yeah, Sam Howell wound up going in, what was it, the fourth or fifth round, but he had a really good opportunity to play at some point this season based on that contract for Carson Wentz, based on who was in front of him on the depth chart. And I think that everyone kind of thought that Ron Rivera had some decent uh, you know, job security entering this year. He still might because he is kind of the leader of that franchise. And the longer that you stay within the same system um, you know, that, that drafted you and the same regime that drafted you, the better. And I think that that's, it's a bad thing for Matt Corral right now in Carolina because uh, Matt Rule's gone. But it's a good thing for Sam Howell that, that he might be able to get some run this year for the Washington Commanders. So, yeah, certainly not going to happen this week, probably not going to happen next week or anytime in the in the relatively soon future. But we certainly could see Sam Howell starting for the Commanders at some point soon. I think that that would make a lot of sense. All right, keep it on PFF.com for all of your news and analysis. Download the PFF app. Make sure to subscribe uh, to PFF Plus. That is $79.99 a year. Follow Brad on Twitter at PFF underscore brad follow me on twitter at doug kide um and yeah we've got um brad uh anything <laughs> sorry this is uh we're, we're dealing with some some behind the scenes stuff right now uh but uh we will take a break right before we leave uh to say that pff wire is sponsored by western and southern financial group will you focus on your roster moves western and southern helps advance your money moves buying your first home planning to start a family wondering how to make your money grow western and southern's playbook of life insurance investment and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you get started at westernsouthern.com slash pff and i would also urge people to go to uh pff green line that is pff.com slash best bets we always talk about it on this show all the best bets the edge on green line and i would make sure to do that too uh brad before we get going here are there any other props that were interesting you on uh on pff green line yeah, no, good point. The player props this season, we haven't shared this data yet, but they are way up on the season so far, and we're hoping to get that out to the public soon. We obviously track every single spread and total and money line bet in there. There's there's a CSV you can actually download and look at every single play. But I, I mentioned Curtis Samuel. I like the Justin Fields play as well. Um, I think there's a couple others that the Green Lions sees edges on, and they have done very well, but those are my two favorites as well, especially Curtis Samuel with all those injuries on offense for Washington. One other one that uh, I... I don't hate right now is Brian Robinson under 11 and a half carries that is minus uh, 111 right now, 9.6% edge on PFF green line. I think that at some point, Brian Robinson is going to start getting more carries in Washington's offense, but he only got nine carries last week. So to bump that all the way up to 11 and a half this week, I'd probably like to see him actually get that many carries before I'm, you know, betting on him getting over 11 and a half carries in this game. Uh, so that one is one that interests me as well. But 
We will be back with you guys again on Friday to go through all of the injury news throughout the week. Uh, so as I mentioned, keep it on pff.com. Make sure to subscribe to the PFF Wire podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere that you get your podcasts.